Our scripture comes from John 14, 12 through 14. It says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So the first thing, if you want to do greater things, you need to first have faith in Jesus. So having faith in Jesus, the scripture tells us, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Now, this sermon isn't about how much you're serving in the church. I can talk about that later. It's not about how much you're doing in the community, and it's not about meeting your quota of holy acts. It's not a checklist. This sermon isn't about your works. It's about your faith in the one who does those works through you. Jesus is not saying that works are a condition in order of having a relationship with him. He's saying that those who are in a relationship with him have the desire to do the works. Now, I love animals. I love fish. I did not have the desire growing up to have a ton of fish in my home. But if you know my husband, and if you know my daughter, you know it's inevitable for us to have fish in our house. If you walk in our living room, there is a 150-gallon aquarium. That was not my desire. But because I love my husband, and because I love our family, we have an aquarium. <laughs> I did not desire to have an axolotl upstairs. What's an axolotl? It's a dragonfish. I don't know. It's my daughter's. <laughs> it's her desire. And because I love her, and because I want to have relationships with her, I care about this axolotl. So when you have a desire in your heart to follow Jesus, your actions follow suit. If you want to do greater things, you need to point to Jesus. Amen. Verse 12 tells us, and they will do even greater things than these. Now, we have to clarify what Jesus is saying. What are these greater things that he's talking about? The word greater is dangerous when it's misconstrued. Jesus created the universe. John chapter 1 backs this up. Jesus was able to transmute matter. We see this through transfiguration. And Jesus is responsible for the end of the universe. We don't have control over creation. We don't have control over transfiguration. And we surely are not responsible for the end of the universe. So Surely God is not gifting us with abilities that are greater than Jesus. So what does he mean by greater things? Let's talk about these things that Jesus did. For every single miracle, every word, every action in Jesus's ministry, they all have something in common. They were necessary means to a goal. Well, what's that goal? The goal was to always point people to Jesus. 
when we see miraculous signs and we miss the end goal, we have missed the very reason it was given to us. Listen to the warning that Jesus gives to the religious leaders of his day. This is Matthew 12, 38 through 40. It says, then some of these scribes and Pharisees told Jesus, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he replied to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, yet no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Because just as Jonah was in the stomach of a sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So you see, their issue was that they craved miracles more than they craved Jesus. And what's more important, think to yourself, is it more important for somebody's leg to be healed or for somebody to actually walk with Jesus? Is it more important for hungry people to be fed or for the spiritual starved to get the bread of life? Is it more important for broken hearts to be made whole or for wicked hearts to be made righteous? Don't hear what I'm not saying. By no means am I saying that pointing to Jesus and miraculous signs are mutually exclusive. The works of God were created as tools to point people to Jesus. So what do we mean by these greater things? I believe that Jesus is saying those who follow him will have a greater impact on his kingdom and their area of evangelism and their discipleship than he had during his earthly ministry. And that miraculous works are necessary for that to be done. If you want to do greater things, thirdly, you need to do God's will. In verse 13, it says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Now, people like to focus on the whatever you ask part of this verse, and far too often they forget the in my name part. They treat the in my name as this safe password to use when they want to do something and they're trying to they're trying to do something with their own agenda. And so they're going to say, in Jesus' name. But the hard part in this is that it's, it's not a password. And Jesus' name doesn't mean you get what you want. You have to be able to pray and it has to line up with God's will. It has to line up with what God has purposed for in your life. Now, you can, ha- you can have a prayer, and in Jesus' name, please let me get those new shoes. But listen, you might not get those new shoes, and that's okay. When we talk about God's name, it doesn't work the way that we normally perceive names. Names are identifiers for us to categorize, but there's no category that the name of Jesus falls into. He's undefinable. Names are his way of enabling us to understand his character. Onama means name. It means meaning or characteristic described by a name. 
So when we ask God in his name, he's saying, ask for what is in line with my character. Ask for what is in line with my will. And I will do those things. And I know you're probably thinking, Brittany, so doesn't God want me to be blessed? Yeah. Aren't I favored? Yeah. Doesn't God want me to have joy? Of course he does. And he knows that the greatest blessing, the greatest favor that you can experience, and the greatest joys are all found within his will. So parents, stick with me for a second. Imagine your child said that you were the worst parent ever. And I know that's never happened, not to a single parent in this room. (laughs) But what if your child said, pretty please, can I have this? And you said no. And your child was like, you're the worst parent ever. Well, let's think about it. It's silly, but if we're not careful, we can treat God the exact same way. We can prioritize our agenda over his. We can prioritize our plans over his. And we need to find confidence and comfort within the will of the Father. We need to have confidence in what he wants and know that that is what's best. We need to have comfort that when he says no, it is for the best. Lastly, if you want to do greater things, you need to bring glory to God. Verse 13 says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I need to check the motivation of my prayer. Listen to the underlying motive Jesus has for answering your prayers so that God may be glorified, so that God may be glorified. We need to be a church in which all of our works, all of our prayers, and all of our means ultimately bring glory to God. We need to be people who live every part of our lives in order to bring more glory to God. Why? Because it's the only He's the only one that deserves to be glorified. I can't promise you much in this life. I don't know everything. And in fact, some people say I might not know much. But I do know this. Nothing but God is satisfying to glorify. Now, lately what has been satisfying to me is a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And this satisfaction usually lasts me about two hours after I have it. But what I know is that this satisfaction doesn't last me very long. And this satisfaction could change in a week or two or a few days. But my satisfaction in God will never change. My satisfaction in God isn't temporary. My satisfaction in God isn't defined by time. We don't put it this way, 
But no matter what we're doing, we're ultimately giving someone or something our glory. Think about it this way. What are you putting your energy into? What are you putting your time into? Where are you investing your money? If you answer the question, why? Why are you investing your energy into this? Why are you investing your time? Why are you investing your money into fill in the blank? If you answer that question, you'll realize the person or the thing that you're glorifying with your life. God is the only person you can glorify that won't let you down. Don't take my word for it. Take your word for it. How many times have you been let down by other people? I know I have. How many times have you been let down by yourself? That one hurts a little because I've let myself down too. True satisfaction can only come from a life lived to glorify God. What are you doing to glorify God in your life? It doesn't have to be something crazy, guys. It doesn't have to be super extravagant. Look what I'm doing to glorify God. What are you doing to glorify God in your everyday life? As we close, I'd like to pray over us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for this time that we've had together. I pray, God, for people to glorify you in their faith, that they can grow and be encouraged, God. I pray that Jesus would give them a real interaction, God, where they can see maybe ways that they've been glorifying things over you, Father, and how changes can be made in their life, God. I pray ultimately that God's will will be done in our lives, that we will accept your yes as the best yes, and your no as the best no. I pray, God, that you would be glorified in our lives. In your name we pray.